Morning, it's so good to be with you preaching this morning. It's such a great opportunity. Um, firstly, sorry if I blend in with the brick wall slightly. I will smile regularly so you can just be aware that I am here. Um, what a fantastic brick wall, by the way, whoever built that. Um, who hasn't on a Sunday morning zoomed in on Pastor Barry's books? I've bought my own books today, uh, books that have impacted me. Um, Pastor Barry last week showed us one of his. Um, so there's this one. This has really played a huge part in my life. Um, it's called Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. That's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's an all-time best one, that one. Um, this one's been key for my marriage. It's called um, Cooking for Beginners, so that can be on the pile. And I added a Judah Smith book just in case I got told off for a bad selection of books by Pastor Barry afterwards. So please don't be distracted by those books. They will just stay there. Um, since I preached last, um, big things have happened in uh, mine and my wife's world. We had a, a baby girl. Um, she was, came a little bit early, but she's now just over two months old. She is so fantastic. I fully realize that every parent thinks their child is fantastic, so I'm completely biased. And in that weird zone of, isn't my baby cute? Um, every other baby probably isn't cute, but my baby is cute. So I am currently in that world. And so we're really happy that Eliza is with us. Um, it's so important when you choose names for your baby. We... Um, we had loads of names lined up for boys, literally dozens, but we, ha we um, had only one for a girl, and that was Eliza. And we, the reason we chose Eliza um, was because the, um, the root is from the word Elizabeth, the name is Elizabeth, but come to Eliza, and that means um, promise. And then in the middle name, her middle name is Gabriella, and the uh, female form of Gabriel, and Gabriel was an angel uh, who sent a message. So for us, we've had a delivered promise. So we are super blessed uh, by Eliza. She's super cute and um, sleeping very well, which is fantastic. Today, I wanted to um, preach about being grateful, um, grateful for the now, um, because sometimes I think we try and live in a world... With, around the corner you know what's up next you know when we try and get this place of being around the corner you know when I get to this when I get to that when I'm around the corner when we're out of lockdown but there's a real key to being grateful in the now so you can just say that out loud at home type it in grateful in the now and that's where I want to go with today so I just want to um, start with this first verse from Ephesians this morning because I found this beauty during the week just to share with you before we dive properly into being grateful so Ephesians 2, 6 to 10 says this. This is really fantastic. It says, And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works that so no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do God's works, which God prepared us in advance to do. Now, I was looking at this verse during the week, just before we get in, and the word handiwork there, for we are God's handiwork. Now, I am no theologian, and I'm not pretending to be, but I, I looked at the Greek root to this word, and I probably know only two Greek words in the world, and don't ask me what the other one is, because I can't think of one. <laughs> um, but the word handiwork um, is a Greek word, poeme. And I've probably even said that wrong, but that's okay. Um, you don't know, um, probably. And that actually comes from the word poem. So actually what the scripture says is, for we are God's poem. Wow, that just changes everything in the scripture. For we are God's poetry, created in Christ Jesus to do God's works. We are God's, it's like we're God's love message or something like that. That just changes everything about that scripture now. We are God's poem, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. And I just want to dwell on that, those things today, um, how grateful we can be in the ordinary. 
Um, now, from our, from our personal lives, um, it's been, as, as in everyone's lives, it's up and down. We've had a fantastic baby girl, which I shared about. But my, uh, my career in the last year has been quite up and down. But God has been teaching me to be grateful in the now. Now, that doesn't mean that I have to think that everything is what I want, but it does mean that I can be grateful in the now. So I have been um, working hard through the night, and I've been having a newborn, getting up at 3 a.m. and walking through Colchester Town Centre at 3 a.m. after help feeding my newborn, and I have made a decision not to grumble. It's not what I want to do, and that's really important to emphasise. It's not what I want to do, but I have truly learned to look up and say, God, I'm grateful. And God has made me grateful for really small things in life, the ordinary things. And we always speak about, you know, when we have a baby, when we get married, what's around the corner, when I get, run this, get, when I get this job, when I get this job. And it's like these I can't wait attitudes. I can't wait for this. I can't wait to do this again. I can't wait to do this again. But God wants us to be grateful in the now. I'm a bit concerned I'm going to get so excited and punch the table and the table might pay a price, as long as Charlie and the chocolate factory doesn't fall off. Um, but God wants us to be grateful in the now. So let's just look at Philippians 4, 11 to 13. And this is Paul speaking, and he has a really great attitude about being grateful in the now. He says, I am not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Paul says he knows what it is to have plenty, he knows what it is to have hardly anything, but that didn't change anything. He knew he was content. His contentment it was almost in the whatever. If I've got lots, I'm content. If I've got little, I'm content. And sometimes we're always striving for the greatness, for the big things. When I get that holiday, I'll be content. When I, and the trouble is with the holidays, you go and have a fantastic holiday, but then when you come home, you want another holiday, or you want to go back, to, well, I do, you want to go back to those places again to relive those moments. So you're not really content. So you have those holidays. Or when I get that car... Um, I'll be content, or when I'll do my kitchen up, that'll make me content, or when I buy my dream house, that'll make me content. But Paul says no. He says, I know what it is to have plenty, I know what it is to have little, and that did not affect how content I was. So I found myself in a journey this year, applauding through cultures to High Street at 3 a.m., and looking up, and I just did it the other day, um, four times I've been on Culture High Street at 3 a.m. You can't catch me there anymore because I've changed job, and I'll tell you why in a second. Um, but I've been looking up to the heavens almost. There's nothing else around apart from the odd fox. And I've said, God, I am grateful. It's not what I want to do, but I am grateful. You know, I go home to a roof over my head. I go home to food on the table. I go home to a car. And, you know, sometimes it's not the biggest house. It's not the best car. It's not the best meal. I have my daughter on the sofa. That's great. But I am content. God has helped me be content and grateful in the now. And that's what I just want to share a little bit of my heart and passion about this morning. And that's what Paul says. Social media feeds into the attitude of, of, of wanting more. Indulge yourself. And I was reading um, that there's about 7.7 billion people in the world and about 3.8 billion are on social media. So Facebook, YouTube, WhatsApp, Messenger, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, Snapchat. Catch me on all of them. Uh, no, don't catch me on all of them. I'm not. I'm only on, <laughs> I'm on two or three. Um, but, but this, you know, the access to social media. Social media wants to tell you 
that you can indulge yourself and have these things. And you know, as social media moves on, of course, now half of our Facebook, Instagram feed uh, are, are actually filled with adverts trying to sell you things. And when Facebook originally turned up, however long ago it was, our feed was not that full of adverts, but it is now. And it's clever enough to know what sort of things you're searching for and you know, the adverts to come in. So social media wants you to indulge. But Jesus actually says, deny yourself, put down your cross and follow me. So we're in an age right now of indulgement. Yet actually Jesus says, be content, follow me, lay it all down. And the thing about holidays and cars and houses and all those things, they are good things and they are to be celebrated. But that is not the prize. If those things are the prize, I'm a little bit disappointed. If those things are the prize, you should be a little bit disappointed. They are good things. But I believe, and this is, this is really quite a key for today, I believe that God says the prize is in the now. The prize is in the now. The prize is what you have right now and understanding there's a contentment. Just understanding there is a contentment. So when I walk along at 3 a.m. looking up and I say, God, I'm grateful, I understand the prizes in and out. I, didn't, I don't want to be walking along the street at 3 a.m. And, you know, there are so many of you that do night shifts and things like that. And that is well done because I know it's hard work. But I'm grateful. It's not where I wanted to be, but I am grateful. And God says he takes everything and turns it for good. And I'm so excited just for my career, just to make sure I don't forget to tell you, I've, I've now literally two days ago stopped the streets of uh, Colchester at 3 a.m., hallelujah, um, and um, I'm changing job. I had a phone call which has presented me with a fantastic new job opportunity which I'm starting in a few days' time. Um, but nevertheless, I, will, I look back at my old job and I did enjoy it. I did not like getting up early, who does? And it's difficult when you've got a two-month-old but I knew what contentment was. I knew I was on a terrible wage. I knew I was pacing the streets of Colchester, which is a bit of a strange terminology, um, but I was content. I said, God, thank you for this job. Thank you for this opportunity. Get up this morning, three horrible a.m., and give you thanks and glory. And I did. And I've just been on this journey right now of being sort of content and grateful for the now. So let's look at um, 1 Corinthians 10, 31 um, this morning as well. It's a really well-known passage again Paul speaks he says so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do do it for the glory of God such a simple such a well-known verse but profound whatever you eat or drink whatever you do whatever you do so what does that mean whatever you do that means that after church today I might make the lunch I'll probably grab my cooking for beginners book and see how to make an egg and but and in that Whatever I do, I'll do it for the glory of God. I might put the laundry on later. I might begrudgingly give someone a lift. I might have to deal with an emergency that I didn't expect. I might have to um, go up into the loft and see, bring down, and I was going to say bring down the Christmas tree. It's a completely wrong time of year. But bring something down. Whatever you do, you get my job. Whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. So the Sunday afternoon, what are you going to do? You might meet up for fa family in the garden, of course. You might meet up for a barbecue. You might just do some dusting, you might do some hoovering. You might do something really big. You might travel some, some significant distance within lockdown rules. And, but whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. And whether you have much, whether you have little, Paul says, be content in that. Be grateful in that. 
you know, when you pray for your children, when you're in your connect group, these are sometimes they seem like insignificant things, but they're really significant things. I've really enjoyed praying over Eliza. Isn't it funny how now I'm a parent, everything's different. I can now um, find myself commenting on parenting, and I didn't dare before. You know, um, parents would tell me it, it, things are like this. Um, I digress slightly, but with parenting, I found that um, everyone's got advice for you, and 95% of the advice was um, probably reasonable advice, but we didn't take it particularly on board. <laughs> but there was one piece of advice um, the mid a midwife gave us, and she said, you know your child. And that was a really, that's the best piece of advice someone gave us on our journey. Um, the thing is with parenthood is that we've just, we just understand that Eliza is such a blessing. But we, would, we don't want to get distracted also from what the call of God. The church is the bride of Christ. And it says that Jesus is returning for the bride of Christ. And sometimes there's this feeling that, I can now say this as a parent, sometimes there's a feeling that when I have a baby, our priorities change. But I've learned that they don't change. Our priorities are added to and our capacity is stretched, and that is what I'm experiencing uh, for our own lives. But the church is the bride of Christ, and the importance of the church has never changed whether I had a baby. And babies are a blessing from God. And if you're fortunate to have a baby or in that journey, you are blessed and will be blessed. They're a blessing from God. But what I know is that the, Jesus is coming back for the bride, the church. And the, the passion for the church that Jesus has, I want to share in, and I want Eliza to share in that. And I find that so exciting. And even just sitting here now, I'm just so grateful for the church. You're grateful for equippers. I'm grateful for the church over the nation. I am so grateful this morning. Hallelujah. I wouldn't have never said that as a, uh, before. I wouldn't have dared to say that before as a parent. <laughs> but you know what? God has called us to be, and I nearly called my preach this, but I decided it'd be dangerous. God has called us to be climate changers. He wants us to change the climate. I nearly called my preach climate change, but then I thought all these people would come and come and listen to the preach thing. I was going to talk about climate change, and I know I had anything. Uh, but God wants us to change the climate. He wants us to change the climate. He wants to shift the atmospheres. Whatever we're doing, however, however much, however little, whether we're here, there, whatever we have, whatever we're doing, the mundane, the great, God calls us to change the climate, shift the atmosphere. And that is what we want us to focus on. And when we have purpose, I believe we can change the atmosphere. And in my mundane, everyday things, I can give glory to God. And I say, thank you, Jesus, that I am so grateful for everything you have bestowed on me. I'm so grateful. So I want to look at uh, one story um, this morning, which is a fantastic story. It's the story of the 10 lepers. And now if you know the story of the 10 lepers, we'll, we'll go through it. It's a story where the lepers um, encounter Jesus and uh, ten of, nine of them forget to say thank you, but one does. So let's read um, Luke uh, 17, 11 to 19, which is the story of the 10 lepers. And this is really a story about the power of gratitude. It says, now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, 10 men who met, had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and they called out in a loud voice, Jesus, master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go, show yourself to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. 
Now, now before this morning, I did a little bit of research into leprosy, quite frankly, and um, it was a horrendous thing, leprosy. Um, note at the beginning, they stood at a distance from Jesus. Um, there used to be leprosy, uh, leper colonies, I guess. And, you know, these guys were seriously furloughed. These guys were doing some serious social distancing. It was, it was thought that in the, um, from the Old Testament, we'll read in a second, that if you had leprosy, it was like a punishment from God. It was like, this is your ultimate shame. And you come before Jesus and you, you know your shame and it's so embarrassing and so humiliating, yet you almost don't care because it's, you, is there anything worse? And so they stand at a distance and they shout, Jesus. And isn't it amazing to think, first of all, that when you think Jesus can't hear you, you can stand at a distance and shout him. Jesus is always close enough. And Jesus was close enough right here for this miracle. Jesus is always close enough. But they... But leprosy was a horrendous thing. And they, they, they were just with each other the whole time. Ten lepers walking around, trying to find contentment. And that's very difficult. But they saw the Savior and they shouted his name. But there are six things I just want to get from this story this morning that's, um, regarding the leprosy and great gratitude. Number one is assess. Be honest with yourself. Be honest with your true conditions. You know, these guys did not have just a skin condition. They had leprosy. There is no shame that can keep us from Jesus. You know, God knows everything. I think sometimes um, we try, especially as Christians, we always try and glamorize things like, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm fantastic. And everything's like, woo, booming. And it's, sometimes it's not. And then I actually realized, you know, there are passages in the Bible where it says Jesus was, so Jesus was tired. So presumably we've been up to Jesus and said, how are you? He says, well, I'm tired. And, you know, so first of all, assess, be honest. Sometimes, you know, who are we kidding? We're not kidding God sometimes. We've got things going on. I've got leprosy. Oh, no, no, I've just got some skin condition. Can you tell? No, you're missing a whole arm. Your eyebrow just fell off on the street. You haven't just got some weird skin condition. You have leprosy. It's really important. That's point number one is assess but let's just look at Leviticus regarding leprosy and just see how shameful it was. Leviticus 13.45. This is what they said about leprosy. Anyone with such a defiling disease must wear torn clothes, let their hair be unkept, cover the lower part of their face, and cry out, unclean, unclean. That's how shameful they were made to feel. Can you imagine having to almost announce yourself in a derogatory way? Unclean unclean and they stood at a distance from Jesus and he said he didn't say it but he is like you're close enough and sometimes you know there is no shame that can keep us from Jesus there is no shame too great we don't have to shout these things but sometimes we feel like they shout for themselves but Jesus is always close enough and that's amazing that the leprosy was made to feel like that in those days but Jesus says I'm close enough go so that's point one point two is ask don't let pride prevent the miracle. Um, you know, if, I always thought with this one, if Jesus came knocking at my door and I went, no, I'm good, thanks, thank you, thank you, Jesus, thank you, thank you. That's, a, that's ter terrible. I always want Jesus to come in. So it says, ask, ask and you will find. Ask, Jesus is close enough. Don't let there be a situation as, oh, if only you'd asked. Haven't we had that in life when someone's come up to you and go, oh, if only you'd asked, I'd have given it to you. And I think that's point two. Point one was assess. Point two is ask. Jesus is saying, ask. There's no hiding. There's no shame. Just ask. Don't let there be a moment when you say, if only you'd asked. Jesus is here now, ready for you to ask. 
Point three, so we've had assess, ask. Point three is obey. Go. This is amazing. Jesus said very little to the, the lepers, actually, but what he said was go. He gave them the command. He said, let's get moving. Go. And he didn't ask for a great detail of what the problem was. He knew. He could see, quite frankly. He didn't ask for, let me have a life history of your problems and we'll see if we can arrange a healing. No, he didn't. He said, go. So point number three is obey. Don't be rebellious. God says go. And I've, you know, I've got quite a testimony about a rebellion, actually. Um, obviously, worship leading was, is, is um, my thing for the last, for many years. <laughs> and um, I, when I was in my um, mid-teens, probably, Jesus showed me something very clear, and I've always clung on to it regarding rebellion. And um, I was in a meeting, and um, you know, that, the meeting 25 years ago, what it was, um, and the pastor said, let's raise our hands. And you know that moment, and as a worship leader, um, you always look at sort of engaging moments, quite frankly. And there are people that uh, do this. And God, and they were clenched and then refusing. And I was um, thinking to myself, why? And God very clearly showed me that that was a rebellious thing because I had been that. I had been in a meeting 25 years ago when someone instructs you to do something, and I was like this. And I realized that I had a rebellious attitude for that. So when the pastor said, come on, let's reach out your hands and pray, whether you agreed or not, I realized that I was going to do that as a sign of honor. And I didn't want to have that rebellious spirit. When, when I was asked to a meeting, I was like, no. And I, but I did it because I didn't want a rebellious spirit. I want to obey Jesus. When Jesus says go, I want to go. And it's almost like whether I wanted to or not. So never again have I, when I've been in the worship time and says, someone says, let's lift our hands to Jesus. I've sort of been all... Uh, angsty about it, because I realized whether I was in the mood or not, I was going to be honoring and I was going to lift my hands. I was going to not let rebellion win. And I was going to give God all the gratitude that he is worthy of. And that even this, that worship moment wasn't fully going to give him that, but it was a little glimpse of that. So point three is, is obey. Point four is observe. Um, only one of them realized there was a miracle. Um, you know, the word go changed everything. When it looked like it was broken in tatters, they were healed. The word go changed everything. The one came back and he was like, wow, whatever happened to the other nine, we don't really know. But they observed. It was in the going that the healing occurred. It wasn't in the stationary part with Jesus. It wasn't in when they met the priests. We observe that the healing happened in the go. And he said, go to the priests and find yourself clean because the priests would make the judgment of whether they had leprosy or not. So point number four is observe. It's quite incredible. Point number five is turn. Now, this is really good. Sometimes I think in Christianity, we feel a bit nervous whether we should turn back. But I think it's okay. I've recently got a, a mirror in the back of my car for Eliza, so I can keep an eye on what if she's okay or not. It doesn't mean I'm turning around constantly with, a, with sort of insecurity and, and all this worry. I am just can keep an, keep an eye. But this, Jesus went back, this leper sorry, went back to glorify Jesus. He looked back and he could see what God had done for him. He may have even seen parts of his leprosy on the pavement, but he decided to turn and go back. And sometimes it's okay to turn and go back because this is the key point. He went back to Jesus not as a leper, but he returned to Jesus redeemed and his shame had disappeared. He didn't return to Jesus as a leper. He, everything had changed. So it's okay to look back. Sometimes I, I just look in my car mirror, check, Liza's okay. That's okay. It's okay to look back because he went back to Jesus. Everything had changed and he was no longer a leper. He was redeemed. And then point six or six in this story is thankfulness. Thank you. 
He fell on his knees and he began to worship. The turn made all the difference. The leper's shame had disappeared. You know, there are so many ordinary moments in our lives when we can just say thank you. This was not an ordinary moment, quite frankly. The leper ran back to Jesus and Jesus said, where are the others? But he was, this one remembered to be thankful. Isn't it sort of frustrating when you give someone a present in life and they never say thank you? That, that actually is a bit of a bugbear of mine. Boo. But this leper said, no, no, thank you. This has changed my life. I'm now redeemed. I'm no longer a leper. Don't let the devil steal your gratitude. Don't grumble about, about life, meaningless things. Don't grumble on Facebook. Let's fill the climate with good things, with praiseworthy things. Let's make good decisions. Let's change the climate. You know, I made a note here. I want God to flinch in my praise. Eliza in the last couple of weeks has got very flinchy. I was sitting next to her the other day and I sneezed. It wasn't a mega sneeze. It wasn't what I would call an average sneeze. But she nevertheless went like that. I just felt like I want to make God flinch with my praise. It's so good. It's so like powerful. It's so passionate. It's so authentic. It's so, uh, so something. I don't know. But I want to make God flinch with my praise. I really do. I want to do something right now, just pause for a second. It's not been done. Um, perhaps if we were meeting for, for in the building for real, I would say, let's praise Jesus, but you're not here um, by I'm coming into your homes. But I would like you to take an opportunity to praise Jesus. And I'm going to stop for 30 seconds. I want you to get onto that chat bar and say, God, I'm grateful. God, I'm grateful. If you're on Facebook, if you're on YouTube, say, God, I'm grateful. Just type that right now. Let's change the atmosphere this morning. Let's create the climate this morning of gratitude, of praise. You want to be specific, write something. God, I'm grateful for my wife. God, I'm grateful for the home. God, I'm grateful for food on my table this lunch. Start typing into the chat bar what you're grateful for. If you're holding the baby, let your wife do it, then switch. Make sure you do it. If you're not logged in and your wife is logged in, you log in too. Get grateful on that chat bar right now. Let's see, just, let's just visually see on YouTube, on Facebook, gratitude filling the chat bar right now. God, I'm grateful. Come on. This is a message of how we're going to be grateful in the now, not grateful in the tomorrows because tomorrow isn't quite here. But come on, let's fill the chat bar with gratitude right now. And if you're grateful for nothing, write nothing. But if you're grateful for something, even the smallest of things, type it right now on the chat bar. God, I'm grateful. Isn't it good to see the chat bar filling up with praise. This is climate changing stuff. If you're really brave, change your status. God, I'm grateful. God, I'm grateful. So I just want to um, finish with one final passage. This, is, this just came on me um, uh, last night. This is so good. It gets me excited. I need to remain on the stool. Isaiah 61, 1 to 3. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of vengeance for our God, to comfort all in, who mourn, and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Oh, come on. He has given us a garment of praise. The garment of praise is not something you can buy at Primark and H&M. This is a heavenly robe you can decide to put on right now. He has given us a garment of praise. He has switched things, he has switched things from joy to mourning. He has, 
our spirit of despair is no longer here. He has given us a garment of praise. So why don't you choose to put on that garment of praise on right now? It's a heavenly robe. It's not something that can be bought in the shops. I'm so excited reading this passage. I kind of want to just shout somewhat. But why don't you put on that garment of praise today and say, I will be content in everything. Jesus has done it all. I have the simplest of things. I have many things. I have a fantastic home. I don't have a fantastic home. I have a beautiful family. I'm alone. I am content. Paul says, I am content in everything. So we clothe ourselves in garments of praise this morning and we say, thank you, Jesus, that you have done so much for us. Not even this can fill the worship that Jesus desires, but we can say thank you this morning that he has given us, he has clothed us in garments of praise. I'm really excited about that scripture. He has clothed us in garments of praise. Our mourning can be left behind. Our despair has been left at the cross because Jesus has changed it all. Say amen at home. I just want to um, conclude now with just a quick um, look at um, uh, Pastor Barry would call a legend, <laughs> um, but an incredible figure from the um, from the past um, called Corrie Ten Boom, and a lot of you will be familiar with her um, story. And it's such a good, uh, a long sort of um, a detailed story that I can't do it any justice right now. But I will briefly um, go through that the fact that Corrie Ten Boom was born in the late 1800s, and with her sister Betsy. Um, the Ten Boom family in Amsterdam um, housed, I believe, over 800 people during World War II, Jewish and resistant fighters to protect them. And sometimes it was people with additional needs. And they were an incredible, incredible family. And um, one day they were betrayed and Corrie and um, Betsy were taken to a concentration camp. And um, unfortunately, um, Betsy did not survive the concentration camp. But nevertheless, in the concentration camp, they held prayer meetings, they had Bibles. It's quite an incredible story. Like I said, I can't do it justice. Um, but it's an incredible, incredible testimony of gratitude for the small things. And one day, Corrie had a cold. And Betsy said to her, pray, Corrie. And Corrie was almost disbelieving the sense. Well, for, for what? And Betsy said, pray for a handkerchief, Corrie. And so I think Corrie found it um, slightly... Um, laughable almost if you read um, but they did pray for a handkerchief and then there was a knock at the door and a lady came in and they said the Holy Spirit's told me to bring you this handkerchief and Corrie could not believe it I mean even saying it now it's sort of a chills story Corrie could not believe it now unfortunately Betsy uh, did not make it out of the concentration camps but it's thought that Corrie due to some clerical error did make it out of the concentration camps and I just want to read a quote from Corrie Ten Boom to finish she says, there is nothing too great for God's power and nothing too small for God's love. I learned that in the difficult class of life school, when you're in a difficult class, that you learn much, especially when the teacher is good. The teacher is the Holy Spirit. Can you understand what a handkerchief tells you in such a moment? That there is a father in heaven who hears it when on a small planet, the earth, someone of his children prays for an impossible small thing for a hanky. That is the foolishness of God, but that foolishness is the greatest wisdom. Aren't you just so grateful this morning for everything you have? For a hanky made such a difference for, to her. Aren't, don't, don't you just feel the Holy Spirit stirring gratitude in you right now? Allow that to take place. Allow the Holy Spirit to stir gratitude in, in you right now. We are so grateful for so many things. Whether we have little or much, Jesus has paid the price. And we need to learn to be content in everything. For he has done it all for us. He has done it all for us. Let's pray. Father God, we just want to thank you that you call us to be content whether we have little or much, whether we have much which is good, whether we have little which we want when we want more. 
Lord, we just want to say we're thankful for the now. We're content in the now. Father God, we just want to say thank you. We are thankful. God, we are grateful. We are grateful. Father, we just choose right now to put on our garment of praise. Instead of a spirit of heaviness, instead of a spirit of despair, instead of a spirit of mourning, we put on the garment of praise. Father God, we just wear that right now. And as your Holy Spirit moves on our hearts, as your Holy Spirit moves in our lives, we feel gratitude stirring more and more and more. And as we sit down for lunch today, Father, we look to you and we say, thank you for lunch, Father for the ordinary things, Lord God. We're just so grateful for everything you have done, Lord God. And Father God, we just wanna say, thank you for the work of the cross. Thank you for the price paid that Jesus paid for us that sets us free, Father God. Thank you, Jesus. If you haven't had a relationship with Jesus before and you'd like to enter into a relationship with Jesus, that is the best decision you can make. And we would certainly love to hear from you at Quippers today, but I would like to pray for you as well, if that is you. Father God, we just wanna say that we acknowledge you perhaps for the first time this morning. And we say, Jesus, we turn from our ways and we want to enter into that relationship with you that is so full, that is so content, that is so full of passion for you, Father God. And we just want to say, Jesus, forgive us for our ways before and we decide to do a U-turn and face Jesus. And Lord, we give ourselves to you and we praise you, Father God. Thank you for accepting us into your family. Amen. Well, thanks for listening to me today. I'm going to hand back to the amazing worship team now who are going to sing that incredible song that speaks about learning to be content in every circumstance. They're going to lead us in Jaira. Let's hand over to them. If you said yes to Jesus today, we are celebrating with you. We would love to pray with you and send you a Bible and some resources to get you started on your faith journey. Please go to equippers.co.uk forward slash I said yes or follow the link in the chat box so we can get in touch.